Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Hey there, welcome back. This week, we are going to talk about the teachings of Jesus, his parables and his miracles that he performed and the revelation of his mission. So it's going to be great. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to welcome all of you who are walking with us through the pages of the New Testament. You know, I just was remembering uh, a few minutes ago about the first time I read through the New Testament. I was a teenager. I did it in two weeks, and I've never been the same. Uh, Those two weeks, I just, I closed that book and I was a different person. The power of God that had been at work in my life as I read through the pages of the New Testament, and um, it it just was life-changing, and it set my life on a certain direction, and that was to serve the Lord. And I'm so grateful for that. So I hope that even though we're going to read it in about 11 weeks, I still feel like we're really rushing through it. Uh, Nevertheless, Enjoy every moment of it and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life as we walk through the pages of the New Testament. So this week, we are reading in the Daily Bible the dates of October 29 through November the 4th, or that is the pages of 1394 through 1418. Uh, remind you, my purpose isn't to teach you every lesson there is out of your reading. My purpose is to help you understand the story behind the stories and also to just bring out those little things that make the Bible come alive to you, that you understand how accurate and how true it is. So let's get started. So last week, we talked about Jesus's childhood there in Nazareth, his first miracle. He moved to Capernaum and how he uh, ministered in the synagogues throughout the region. And, um, And then right above Capernaum, how that he went up on the hillside and he gave his sermon on the mount. Now, um, I didn't say this last week, but I was just thinking about it. You know, I've been talking about how God has been setting the stage for the life and ministry of Jesus. But there, right outside of Capernaum, it's as though God had actually created the geography of the earth to be prepared for the ministry of Jesus. Because that hillside, when you go with me to Israel, you'll see it right above Capernaum, is shaped like a a theater, like a semicircle. It goes in uh, the hill. And the uh, underground, the stone in that hill is what's called basalt stone. It's a stone that's from volcanic action, you know, of course, uh, many, many, many years ago. And um, it's a dark stone, and it amplifies the sound so well in that area that you can go there today and test it out, that you can stand up there at the top of that ridge and speak, and it can be heard down on the shores of the Sea of Galilee because of the way the voice is carried. And um, so this is where Jesus was able to minister to thousands. So if people say, oh, you know, one person cannot speak loud enough to minister to thousands, Uh, the very earth had been prepared for Jesus's ministry. Isn't that pretty cool? 
So this week, we're going to talk about more about his teachings. We're going to talk more about his mission and um, a bit more about his miracles. So let's get started. Let's talk. I want to talk this week about Jesus's parables. Um, Jesus used parables in his teaching uh, to a masterful level because he was a master teacher. He was a master storyteller, and he used parables uh, probably like none other. But I want you to know that parables were a common teaching method um, in the Second Temple Judaism at the time, and the, the rabbis used it. It was not unusual, but Jesus' use of them, of course, was masterful. So what is a parable? A parable is where you tell a story using an everyday occurrence um, to convey a very deep spiritual meaning. So, for instance, um, the story of a woman baking bread, the parable of the leaven. The deep meaning was, of course, about the growth of the kingdom of God. But it was an everyday story about an everyday woman baking bread. Or let's say the story of the man knocking on the neighbor's house. Um, an everyday occurrence, but it was to portray the persistence in prayer uh, that we need to have. Or the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. The, it's a parable about an everyday occurrence of a mugging alongside a road, but it was to teach the importance of the meaning of love and um, of loving one's neighbor. So these parables um, were so great at teaching the masses. But, um, and, and I want to read to you in Mark 4, you read this this week, Mark 4, verses 33 to 34, about Jesus's use of parables. It says here, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Well, now that's interesting. So why did he use parables with the public, but he didn't use them with the disciples? He explained things more fully. So we have uh, two different kind of reasons given for this, and it can look conflicting. So this is why I want to bring it out. Uh, this week you read Matthew 13, verses 34 through 35, and it says here, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet, quote, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. That quote comes from Psalm 78, verse 2. So here Matthew is saying that Jesus used parables to reveal hidden secrets, hidden, hidden things that just hadn't been known before. And so that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Um, but then Luke has a slightly different twist on it. And so Luke says here, after Jesus told the parable of the sower, which I'm not going to read, but then Jesus says this in verse 8. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables 
so that, quote, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. And then he goes on to explain to his disciples the meaning of the parable. So Jesus here quotes Isaiah to say that the parables are used so that they won't understand. That's the way it reads. That's the way it sounds. So it's a little bit uh, confusing, and I want to I talk about it for a minute. So I want to explain parables here. Now, parables obviously were not an explanation. Parables were a, a story, and to the disciples, he then explained it. So uh, in a way, you could say they did hide truth. They, they hid the fuller explanation which he gave to his disciples. But what Jesus is saying here is that the, the parables are for those who have ears to hear. And, um, and that's really the issue here. It's not that Jesus was trying to hide anything from people, but parables were used like prophecy was used. And prophecy was used. The prophets spoke to the people. They, um, they acted out things. They used illustrations. They used stories. They knew a lot of the people were not going to listen. They weren't going to obey. But they did it for those that would, those that had an ear to hear, those that would heed the warning, would heed the teaching. They were for them, but for those that were going to reject it, for those that did not have the ear to hear, it was a sign against them. God could always say, I told you, I told you so, but you just didn't hear. And so parables have the same kind of usage that for those that were hungry and had hearts to hear, that had ears to hear and hearts to understand, they would understand the parables and they would want more and they would go after more. And that's where we all should be. My question to you, do you have ears to hear? Do you have that heart that wants to understand? And if so, then drink it in as you're reading the teachings of Jesus. But if it's confusing to you, then ask the Holy Spirit to open your ears and open your heart. Ask him to reveal the truth to you, and he will. But he may be waiting for you to invite him in and to say, yes, I'm one of those. I want to hear. I want to know. Please teach me. It's always a wonderful practice to pray that prayer anytime before you open the Bible so that the Holy Spirit will teach you. Now let's talk about Jesus's mission. Last week we talked about that Jesus understood his mission was not to oppose Rome. He was there to reveal the heart of the Father to his people and to pay the price for their sin, to be rejected and to die. That was his mission. Now uh, this week though, we find another aspect of, of his mission that I want to bring out. We read uh, this week in Matthew 15, 24, the most shocking little uh, section of scripture here where this Canaanite woman, which means she's Gentile, she may be pagan, she's not Jewish, she's Canaanite, and she comes to Jesus 
And he kind of rebukes her. And his answer to her is here out of verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. My friends, a lot of us have been told that's like the old covenant was for the Jews, but Jesus came for the world. And while that is true later on, Jesus came as the Jewish Messiah. He came to the Jewish people. He came to initiate the new covenant with Israel and the house of Judah. But thankfully, we as Gentiles are able to enter in through the blood of Jesus and tap in to that rich history that belongs to the Jewish people. We can tap in to their covenants, to the law, to the worship in the temple. We are able to claim their Messiah is our Messiah. But always remember the context of Jesus is that he came to the house of Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel. And it's interesting that uh, just a few verses before that in Matthew 10, when he sent the 12 disciples out, this is what he told them in verses 5 through 7. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions, quote, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So even the disciples were sent to the lost house of Israel. Jesus knew that it was going to go to the Gentile world eventually. But now was not the time. He hadn't died yet. He hadn't paid the price. And for now, it was salvation is to the Jews first, and then the Gentiles. They were sent to the house of Israel. That was Jesus's mission. Okay, let's talk about some of his miracles now. We, we have one of my most favorite stories, uh, favorite miracles of Jesus we read this week where the woman with the issue of blood of 12 years goes, pushes her way through the crowd and says, if I can but touch the corner of his garment, I can be healed. And he senses that somebody has touched him. He felt the power go out. He said, who is it? And it was her. And he said, your faith has made you whole. I love this story because... My heart goes out to this woman. But secondly is because why did she reach for the hem of his garment? Why didn't she try to touch his foot? Um, why did she think that if she just touched his cloth, his clothing? And that's because of the scripture of Malachi. We just read it a couple, three weeks ago. Malachi 4.2, where it says this, The son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. In this scripture, the word wings is the Hebrew word kanaf, which means corner. But when they went to translate this verse, most of the time um, it's translated as the, the corner. Um, like the corner of the garment is where the tassel was, the kanaf. 
Um, but a few places it is translated as a wing. But in this scripture, it just really doesn't make sense that healing in his wings, um, but because of this verse and a more accurate translation of the word kanaf, it was uh, expected within the Jewish people. It was a tradition that when the Messiah came, there would be healing in the tassels of his garments, which are at the corners of his prayer shawl. And that's what they expected. And that's why this woman, because of her belief that Jesus was Messiah, she wanted to touch the hem of his garment, the tassel at the corner of his garment. And when he said, your faith has made you well, I don't know. He doesn't say faith in what, but I think it was his, her faith in Jesus as Messiah that she knew that healing would be there. It wasn't just faith in healing. It was faith in who he was, and therefore, because of who he was, that healing was there for her. I love the story. Another great story is when uh, Jesus and the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, and they are crossing over to the other side. And Jesus falls asleep in the boat, and this huge storm comes about. We all know the story. We learned it in in Sunday school, the the kids learn it um, in Christian school because when Jesus calms the waves, it is such a demonstration of his power. It's such a demonstration of his divinity and that he had power over the seas and the waves. So I want to point out uh, two things here. One is, of course, that Jesus was asleep. That storm didn't bother him at all. But secondly, is that when he did um, calm the storm and calm the waves, he was definitely demonstrating his divinity because the Jewish people knew from the Old Testament that only God could calm the waves. And so in Psalm 89, I want to read to you verses 8 through 9. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging sea, and when its waves mount up, you still them. So the Jewish people knew God had the ability to calm the waves. And when Jesus did it, his disciples' response is sort of, who is this man? They realized then only God could have done what Jesus had done. He had definitely exhibited his divinity. Now, as I said in the beginning, they were crossing over the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And I want to point out to you, when you go with me to Israel and you see the Sea of Galilee, we'll explain all of this, you'll understand it. But on the western side of the Sea of Galilee was where the Jews had settled, and it was a very Jewish area. But on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, it was part of the Greek area known as the Decapolis. And so it was a pagan area. And so when Jesus crossed over to the other side, he was going into the pagan area. And he would usually do it quite on purpose. Sometimes it was to get away from the Jewish crowds. He just had to go where it was quieter and get away from all the people. Um, in this instance, though, we have this very interesting story that takes place that 
we don't recognize just from reading it what's really taking place here. Jesus is crossing over the Sea of Galilee to the pagan area, which is full of Baal worship. Um, and Baal is known as the fertility god and also the god of agriculture, which means he is the weather god, because if you're going to bless people's agriculture, the weather has to be right. And even Baal is depicted as the weather god with a vein of lightning in his hand. And so here Jesus is entering into the territory of Baal, and the weather whips up this horrible storm. And Jesus is as peaceful. He's just asleep. It doesn't worry him at all. But when he quietens that storm, he is confronting Baal, and he's entering into Baal's territory. And then when he gets there, he is confronted by a demoniac who it says had been in the caves. He had a legion of demons inside of him, and he was self-mutilating himself. And all of this sounds like Baal worship and a demonic uh, presence that would be there after Baal worship. They, the use of the caves, um, the self-mutilation, the demonic, and also the pigs. So the pigs were sacrificed to Baal. And when Jesus drove the demons out of the man and into the herd of pigs, it wasn't just that he was damaging the business of this, these farmers that had this herd of pigs. It's that he was destroying the Baal worship. You get it? He was a direct confrontation. He was showing his power over Baal. And he was destroying the worship of Baal. And the, the farmers came to him and said, please leave. They knew what this meant business-wise uh, in, in all respects. And he tells the demoniac who's now of sound mind and completely healed. And what does he tell him? Go tell everybody. He wanted the word to spread far and wide, the power that he had had over Baal and the healing of this demoniac. Now, at other times in your Gospels, you're going to read where Jesus is over on the Jewish side, and he tells the people not to tell anybody. He's trying not to whip up some kind of revolt against Rome. And so he's trying to keep things under control, and every once in a while he'll just leave and go to the other side, to the pagan area, to talk to his uh, disciples. And so um, we have another example of that where we're going to read this week, where he takes the disciples to the area of Caesarea Philippi. And Caesarea Philippi was the epicenter of pagan worship there on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. When we go to Israel, I'll take you there. You can see the cave where they used to throw the animals in. You can see the remains of lots of pagan temples that were around the area. Um, it's kind of an icky area to go to. But it was outside of this town. Now, Jesus did not enter the pagan area, I promise you. But it was outside of Caesarea, in the region of Caesarea Philippi. He gets his disciples away from the crowds and away from all the Jewish people coming in for healing, coming in for teaching. He gets them there where it's quiet. 
And that's where he has the conversation. Who do you say that I am? And they come up with their different theories. And then it, it's Peter that proclaims him as the Messiah. And um, when you read it this week, I want you to understand the context. And right after this, Jesus then goes up on the mountain, and right above Caesarea Philippi is the highest mountain in all of Israel. It's called Mount Hermon. And the Mount Hermon is pretty, it's off in the distance. It's very, very high. But there's a whole range of hills that come down from Mount Hermon that run into what's called the Golan Heights. It's a very high area with lots of hills. And so it seems that Jesus went up on one of those hills that's part of the, Har the Mount Hermon range, and it was up above Caesarea Philippi. They might have been able to actually see down into Caesarea Philippi from there. And it's there that he has the transformation, and uh, they see him with Moses and Elijah. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Because Moses represented the law, and Elijah represented the prophets. And here is Jesus fully supported in fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and he appears with them. So these are the stories you're going to read this week. I want you to get the feeling for the geographical location where it's all taking place. Really, I hope you can go with me to Israel and see it for yourself. In today's show notes, we have a link for a tour interest list. Please sign up, get on the list. It doesn't commit you to anything, but when we have our next tour scheduled, and a package to offer you. We'll let you know about it. See if you can go. Begin saving your money now so that you can make it on one of those tours. And also, I want to tell you that for more information on Jesus's ministry there in the Galilee, I have two resources for you. One is to listen to my 3D Jesus series. We'll link to that also in today's show notes. Uh, episode number four is about his Galilean ministry. Take advantage of that extra teaching. And then also we have a great little DVD that we're offering for sale. We'll link to it also in today's show notes by our good friends at the Christian Broadcasting Network. It's called House Written, Written in Stone, Jesus of Nazareth where it shows you these locations that I try to describe to you. And it tells you the stories of what Jesus did in these locations and the archaeological finds that we have today. And um, it's a great, very, very cheap little DVD. Please take advantage of it. Orders yours today. And I hope you're enjoying your reading this week. I pray the Lord bless you. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Until then, God bless. If this is the first time you've listened to the Out of Zion podcast in our Walk Through the Bible series, you'd like to join us, please download our New Testament reading guide so that you can be reading along with us each week as we are walking through the pages of the New Testament. Go to outofzionshow.com and request your New Testament reading guide. Do it today, and we'll see you back here next week. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.